salvation is too great for God. I don't know what your situation is this morning. I don't know what's going on in your life. But nothing is too great for God. Nothing is too great for the miracle-working power that's in the name of Jesus Christ. That He can change this to that. Suddenly, something happened. Suddenly, something changed. By the power that's in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, I heard the Lord say there's miracles in this room today. And I don't know what your situation is. But God is going to be shifting something in the Holy Spirit. I don't know if it's relational. I don't know if it's a money situation. But I'm telling you, the God of heaven and earth is here this morning for you. For your situation. For your circumstances. But Father, right now, in the name of Jesus. And the name that is above every other name. Yes. Father, right there now, start shifting. Come on. Whatever your need is. Wow. Come on, whatever you need God to do. God, I speak over healing in the name of Jesus right now. I pray that you would heal our hearts, oh God. Father, I pray you would heal relationships. Father, I speak miracles, signs, and relationships. Miracle signs and wonders over relationships right now. Wow. Come on. God is shifting something in the supernatural right now. But if you have a financial need this morning, if you have circumstances that are beyond your control, I'm telling you, God is here this morning. But we have to pursue Him. We have to take that moment in God. And reach out and say, God, I surrender. God, I'm yours. Lord, do with me what you will. And I'm telling you, God's about to shift some things. And everybody's circumstances. That's just not just for individuals. Something in the Holy Ghost this morning. I just heard it in the Spirit. God is here to do a miracle for everyone. In this room and around the world. Come on. If you attach your faith to it, God is shifting something right now. Your miracles being released from heaven. Come on, right now. Come on, right there. Lord, release your miracles. Wow. Release your signs, God. Right there, wow. Release your wonders. I'm telling you, things are shifting right now. And you're not going to have to wait, but God is going to be doing things even today. I kept seeing relationships. People you haven't talked to, people that maybe have been broken, relationships. And they're going to be contacting you. They're going to be things that God is working things out behind the scenes. It's a, it's, and only God can do it. Father, we release right now your Holy Spirit. To do what only you can do, God. Father, we release, Father, the miracles, the signs, Father, over our relationships, over our lives, over our children, over our grandchildren, 
Father, in the name of Jesus right now. Come on. Come on. Will you believe it this morning? Wow. Will you attach your faith to it this morning? That something is happening right now. Wow. Something is shifting. Wow. Come on. Come on. Come on. Believe. I kept hearing in the Lord. In the, and when I was standing in the back, the Lord said, What is your measure of faith? What will you attach to mine? Come on. What is the faith? And then I heard the Lord say, what do you got to lose? What do you got to lose? Just attach your faith to God's and let it go. Let God do what only God can do. Wow. Come on, right now, something is shifting right there. Something's changing in your heart and your mind. Wow. Even in your relationships right now, something is shifting in the Holy Spirit. Wow, wow, wow. Come on, right there, right there. Wow. Lord, miracle signs, wonders. Wow, wow. Wow. Hallelujah, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to um, share something that the Lord really impressed on me is, is um, in, in First John it said the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we know that was Jesus. And we know that Christ is in us. And that Word, so sometimes we have to, the authority is in the Word. Sarah sang it this morning. So I don't know what you need, but the authority is in your mouth. It says, speak to that mountain. And so sometimes we have to just say, um, we have to speak the word. What, 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 what miracle do you need? You need to speak it. You need to speak it out. That Christ in you, that power, the authority that he gave us, so we speak it out. So I remember when I was um, recovering from radiation treatments and I was weak, and Jim and I would walk, and they said, walking is good, keep exercising. And so I would say, I'm getting stronger every day. I'm getting stronger every day. Every step I took, I said, I'm getting stronger every day. I'm getting stronger. And that's what we have to do. That's the word we speak. You know, money's, if you're financially struggling, money's coming. Money's coming. In the name of Jesus, money is coming. If, um, you know, you're hurting, you know, God, I, I, my heart hurts. I need healing. My heart is going to be whole. And my heart is going to be whole. We speak it. We speak it. We speak to those mountains. And so I just feel like the Lord is saying, there's strategies in the realms of the Spirit. And there's strategies for our miracles. Even this church, we're getting stronger every day. The Spirit of God is moving mighty. You know, we speak that out. We believe that. God is touching lives. He's drawing people by His presence into this house. We speak it. We unify I mean, Jim and I, we just say the blood of Jesus makes us whole. You know, we're getting healed. I'm healed. I'm whole. I'm set free. If, we need, if you're in bondage, I am set free by the blood of Jesus. And so I just feel like there's strategies for our miracle too. And so we just need to, the word became flesh among, dwelt among us. What is the word that's in your heart and in your mouth right now? You need to speak it. Hallelujah. Yeah. 
He's always been the God that supplies for us and wants to supply for us. Uh, as I was driving out this morning, uh, it was like the blood, you know, and you think about blood and, and uh, the blood has the power in it, but it's the cleansing of the blood that brings us new life the blood the powers in the blood and I was thinking also that he would make us white as snow and I was thinking well gee when did that happen and I remember so many different times when I was growing in in God there was always this place we'd sing the power in the blood there's power in the blood wonder working power in the blood and then I was thinking about washing as white as snow. So what we were talking about, whether it be in your finances, whether it be in, a situ in any situation, the blood has that type of power. It's life-giving, but it washes white as snow. And I've had situations in my own personal life that I would love to have it white as snow. You know, walk away from everything. I just remember uh, giving my life to Christ where you could, you didn't have to make any more excuses for the way you acted. It was because of the blood, it washed away, took away the sin of the world, of course, the Bible says, but personally our sin and made us as white as snow. Uh, that might happen, that event might happen sooner than later. Snow, that is. Um, there's something exciting about change. It's something about something that was so uh, devastating, so tragic. Uh, a, a person giving up their life, their blood life, so that we could have a uh, the cleansing like snow and so you could walk away you know that blood that's a tough deal but you could walk away and it was as white as snow and today we just believe that that has happened even in the prophetic realms God is doing something great he's taking that blood that was shed for us and you know you can go through the whole Old Testament it's always about the blood and the different things that went on and the, the lamb that was sacrificed and the animals that was animal sacrificial uh, areas in the Old Testament and it was about washing away the sin and when Jesus came it was a final deal and so when you step out today you're as white as snow man and I, I, I think that was the most exciting thing that I had when I gave my life to Christ. I didn't have to hold it anymore. I could actually say, I'm forgiven and it happened. You knew that it happened. So if that's you today, you're as white as snow. And whatever that means to you and your soul, you're as white as snow. Amen. God bless you. Why don't you go and greet each other on this beautiful Sunday morning. Hallelujah.
Good morning, everyone. I see we got some Viking fans in here. Uh, I was looking. I, I said I'm, I had a football game. Okay. Bless you, bud. I said it looks like the football team, the size of them, too. So. Yeah, all right. Well, bless you this morning as we come back into our, our service. All right. Praise the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. So good to see you. What a beautiful, beautiful day the Lord provided for us, huh? Yeah, last week was a little tough. We were wondering what was going to happen and turned out pretty nice. Turned out pretty nice. All right. You have an announcement. Okay. Well, somebody else has <laughs> Stephen, will you come up here? Hallelujah. Welcome, Community Church. Yes. Stephen's got an invitation for you. Oh. Praise God. Next Sunday will be one of the happiest days of my life. I'm getting married to a beautiful woman in the church here. <laughs> and it will be about 12 o'clock right after church. So everyone here invited. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah. Hallelujah. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. And we've got a few other things going on. Um, October 31st, two weeks from today, is Harvest Fest. Okay? Um, bring your kids, bring the neighbor's kids, cousins, kids, whoever. It's a fun night here at the church. Huh? Explain it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Jeffrey. 
basically what it is is the the kids they we rent inflatables and the kids uh, spend three hours here at the church rather than being out in the community um, trick-or-treating or whatever tricking what <laughs> they have the opportunity to be in a safe place and there will be food there will be fun for them um, the adults get to fellowship um, during it so you know bring your bring your neighbors bring your friends and, and have a good time okay so please join us uh, yes <laughs> so yeah if you want to volunteer you could talk to Tom or you could talk to me and we'll kind of we're kind of setting that because we have different stations so like so what we do is we we actually rent from Fargo so we have like last year I think we had five different blow-up things for little kids and then out here we had four or five different things so I mean it's amazing it's a fun time so even teenagers come out and they you know so it's it really what it is it's like a <clears throat> it's like a playland really for that night so it's not just that they come and get candy and different things like that and there'll be food that's served here that's free and so anyway so you can come enjoy and really just take your kids and because sometimes it gets cold it's cold at night so you don't want to be out in the dark cold. but you can come here and then I'm not kidding you these kids you can't get them off them half of them are crying going out the door like I don't want to go home so it's a great time so look forward to seeing everybody all right, all right. What's it, what time to start <laughs> I don't okay I, I think it's I think it's 5:30. Also, we would ask that uh, that um, each family would bring a couple large bags of candy to share with the kids. And if you'll bring them next Sunday, then we'll have them here, or you can drop them off during the week if you prefer. Um, but thank you, Darla, for reminding me. I would have forgotten. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't. Could you uh, run back and just make sure that's the right time? Oh, you okay. Thank God, you know. 4.30. Okay, all right, that's good, that's good. All right, well, praise the Lord. I think that, uh, you know, traditionally, Halloween to hallelujah, and uh, we have the hallelujahs. And so when we do something exciting on that night, instead of doing something that probably isn't edifying the, the kingdom of God and, and different things on what God's wanting to do for our lives, we just say, hey, we take that night back and we edify the Lord in everything. It's a hallelujah night in Jesus' name, amen. But well, we do have a hallelujah opportunity to sow into the kingdom of God with your tithes and with your offerings. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap on that. Hallelujah. This week is going to be the best week that you've ever had. Why not? Heard it in the prophetic, so I'm going for it. All right. Well, Father, we have an opportunity to sow into the kingdom. We ask, Lord, that each person as they sow... God, that they would have principles in their minds 
that will change every aspect of their financial giving, every aspect of their spiritual well-being because they're doing things in obedience according to the scriptures. So bless the people as they give. We trust, Lord, that you will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. If you're making out a check, you can make it payable to the community church. God bless you and you're given. All right. Like I said, there's some Viking fans in here uh, just by the wearing of the uh, air. When I walked in, I thought the Vikings were here. These guys are big enough. I said, at least I said, it looked like the defensive or offensive line has come here. So praise the Lord. Who's the Vikings playing today? Carolina. Okay. Here or there? there. What time? Noon. Okay. No pressure, Dave. Uh, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord. We, uh, we're not alone in this endeavor called Christianity uh, being used of the Lord in a very, very special sense. And, you know, um, we look at governments and sometimes we criticize governments because they're so messed up. And uh, on earth that does go on, but in heaven that does not go on. But it looks like it's pretty messed up on earth, but God's got it all under control as far as his governmental thoughts and the way he runs things is an eternal way. And so today I just believe that Dave will be sharing some of those uh, principles with us, but um, how God desires to use us. Wow. You know, I mean, his desire goes way beyond anything that we could ever imagine. And, you know, the very first day that I believed, God began to instill that in my heart. And, uh, you know, you start asking God for a word for a Sunday morning. And you go, well, how could God use me? He can use you. And it's interesting that he could speak to you on a Friday or a Wednesday or whenever. And that's an opportunity. That's what the church is all about, is that the body of Christ hears from God, shares with the rest of the body. Like when good things happen to my hand, I go, the rest of the body is very well benefited uh, and so we have to realize that God's wanting to use us in such a special way. So in that thought, always be ready to hear something that the Lord is speaking in, and then be ready to write it down or consider it, um, and then come to one of the elders or uh, the pastors say, hey, I've got something to give the body of Christ. Um, so that's a thought that you can think. I do have Diane Lyon here, and she's going to be sharing some things, and then uh, we're going to have David finish it off. Here goes, sis. Okay. All righty. So, um, yeah, Pastor and the elders said I could have a go-ahead, man, gosh, it's been about six months ago, to teach a patriotism class to our students because, lo and behold, there was just kind of this thought that maybe kids aren't, 
um, learning or knowing things. And it was kind of before a lot of this junk and garbage came apart. And then we realized, oh, yes, that is true. In fact, us adults, we really have, um, it says, without knowledge, people what? Perish. Without knowledge, people perish. So we have grown up in our history classes not getting the real deal. And we are at the spot we are today in our country because we have lacked knowledge. We have lacked knowledge. Well, you know what? God is so good. God is so good that he's like, oh, I'm coming to rescue you. And there is a great awakening coming. And if you know history, have you ever heard of the great awakenings in our history's past? Anyone ever heard of the great awakenings? Awesome. Awesome. This is the third one, although there's been like many spider ones still kind of like off the, but the big main ones, you know, there were little ones after that. But God's going to do another one. Whenever America was really in trouble, God came and rescued her. Because why? Because he birthed America. He birthed America, and he chose a very special people to come. There could have been a lot of people that came after Columbus, but he chose a very separated people who were sold out to God to come start our nation and found our nation on God. They were the pilgrims. And if Thanksgiving is just kind of like a skip over, don't skip over it this year. Don't skip over it this year. And I don't believe people in our house are doing that. But we know a lot of people do. But, but because we, we had those precious pilgrims and we've had great awakenings, God is coming again for the third great awakening to rescue us. So what we're hearing in the news is the worldly news, but be prepared. It's a coming. It's a coming. So that being said, so we are going to be starting an adult and kid patriotism, godly heritage. That's what it really is, godly heritage, just knowing our history. So we don't perish in this. And we got to have hope for today. we got to have hope for today. Okay, so I'm not asking for volunteers. I'm putting you in the boat today. I'm putting you in the boat today.
You got a paper. You come on up. You come on up. You come on up. And if you got the the de um, the Constitution, the, those four people have to be together. You have to be together. Okay. Oh, look at all these people who just love our history. We're not going to be ignorant. We're just not going to have counterculture in our schools. Tell them that you're important and or you're not important and you're, um, you're, you're judged by your race or, or this, that, and the other thing and telling us lies about our history. No, no, no. We're not going to accept that. We're not going to let our kids be, be told lies and we're not going to be sink under because we don't know the truth. No, we're going to know the truth because the truth will set us free. You know? Enough is enough. Okay, so let's start with um, who's got the, who has the, yeah, turn so I can see them. Who has the Mayflower Compact? Who has, Linda has the Mayflower Compact. Okay, when it comes to your turn, you just step on out and hold it up high. The May, now, I'm not going to focus on every one of these, but I'm going to show you a couple of them. The Mayflower Compact, who knows anything about the Mayflower Compact? Well, the Mayflower, the Mayflower was the ship that carried the pilgrims across the, um, I don't remember what ocean, but yep. it was one of the three ships that carried pilgrims to the United States. Absolutely. And once they landed, they realized they needed to have a civil government so it just wasn't chaos and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. They were very godly people. They were like very godly people. And do you know when they came over, it, the size of the Mayflower where they were staying underneath for 66 days was the size of a volleyball court. And that's where they had 102 people. And that's where they had their bathroom time, their changing diapers times, their vomiting from the sickness times, eating times, having the ship be like this, and then this, and then this. So those people were were godly people that we owe our lives to. So the Mayflower Compact was written afterwards. And you know what? We will learn what that says. It's very important, but I'm not going to read it now. As you can tell, this is an original copy. Okay. All right. Let's see who has, who has first prayer in Congress. Okay. All right, this is the first prayer in Congress. They were meeting together, um, the different delegates from different states. They weren't together yet. They weren't unified, and they were fighting, and they were not, when I mean fighting, they were not in agreement. And they realized, hey, we can't let the enemy divide us. So they said, we have to pray, and they prayer, They made a prayer that was so strong, they said even the Quakers cried. It, the power of God moved, is what I'm saying. They were aware of the power of God moving, guiding them to create these documents in these country, this country and unifying them together. They were very aware. Okay, the United States Constitution. Okay, so then this is obviously um, every one of these people. You know, they didn't have cameras back then, so they had these beautiful paintings, and every one of these people were either a pastor 
or strong Christians in their church. They, if anyone says America was not Christian, just laugh in their face that they are so ignorant that they don't know. They were absolutely Christians. And they founded our nation on, the, on biblical principles. The reason why we own our property, the reason why we have social services, is because those are Christian foundations. And those, and now who has the Constitution? You've got the Constitution, step forward. David has one, Article 1. Deb, there you go. There is a copy of our precious Constitution. And every article speaks on what the role our three-tier government has. Okay? Now, you can Google that, and you can see what it, what it says, but we're going to go over that. So we know. We know. Okay. Okay, George Washington Carver. Now, this is an interesting gentleman. Okay, so he was a man who was an inventor. Okay, and he came, um, he was more in the 20th century, but we have him as a focal point. And then who else do we have? Is a just a person, Pocahontas? Okay, she was used in our, in our government um, back in the 1600s, I believe it was, 1607. And she actually got baptized and was used mightily in our nation as an individual. And then we have other, now we have George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, those ones you guys know, and Abraham Lincoln, okay? Godly Christian people. And then here, this is cool, first blacks in Congress. An amazing thing is that people, you know, people get so much on race, of course, today, right? You know, back in the 1700s, you know, they were, they were honored in churches. They were preaching in churches. A lot of our, our head guys, they honored the black preachers and black. There wasn't the segregation that they're thinking they want you to believe in. Oh, no. Oh, no, they weren't. And here's proof of it. Here's the blacks in Congress, godly, educated, wonderful people. And they were together. So... We're going to talk a lot about that. And then, okay, what do we, and then we have the, the Declaration of Independence, okay, and we're going to talk about how England and um, the, the Americans fought against the French and the Indians right before they came together, and then they realized, you know what, England has overstepped, and now really they're not our friends, and we have to make that separation. So the other documents, and here is the, the Declaration of Independence written out. And we're going to have the children touch these and see these, that they're our friends. These documents are our friends. I don't know too much about the Ordinance of 1787. But here's just a little sampling. So we will be having visuals as far as, um, you know, DVDs or, or other things and just different things. But it's going to be for the kids. We have things for kids, too. So if you want to come out and have more information about our wonderful country, if you have testimonies, and we're also going to have prayer, I am believing, for your needs. For your needs, because you're going to have more and more needs. I saw a very disturbing video that, of Canada where a church service, have you seen that? Where they came in, and, and the police came in, and they stopped the church service, and they had the documents and whatever it is, you go out, right? And it would be, they, they just came right in, the police did, just up across the border here. And it was like a Mennonite church. And they just filed off, filed off. You know, that is just across the border. 
Then I saw one where the uh, police officers came and just arrested a pastor. And there was kids and his wife sobbing. Have any of you, did any of you guys see this too? This is just in our back door. We've got to wake up and smell the coffee. This is, you know, we've got to know this. We're behind the times. We've got to know this stuff. And if you don't want to come, I'm not going to be mad at you, but. So we, I'm, um, pastor and, and those on the elder boards, I mean, I'm open for it, but it's going, to ha it's going to come now. So whenever you say go, we'll just do it. It'll be, you know, coming up here. Yeah, we'll decide, and then we'll, we'll let you know. But anyway, I hope you come out. I hope you feel like you would want to learn about our nation and tell your friends. Because this is something that our community needs to know. Critical race theory and stuff, parents are rising up. But we've got to know something, you know. And I know you can Google a lot of this stuff, but, you know, there's power in coming together. There's power in coming together. We can pray and love each other and, meet, and pray for one another and pray for our kids and your needs. Because I don't see it's going to get any better real quick soon. It's probably going to get worse before it gets better. But in the meantime, we'll just praise God and we'll be educated, right? Okay, you guys can set that back and then I'll collect it. Thank you so much. got to get this plugged in here so apparently my battery went out but that's in my computer not in me so we're good remember the old days when we used to come we were noted speakers then we used paper notes and uh, some of you get that and then uh, we go to computers which are great but, as you know, they're mechanical and they have their limitations, too. When Jeff was sharing earlier, he was given a prophetic word. And the Bible tells us that prophecy is given for exhortation, edification, and comfort. So we just pray and believe that you were exhorted, you were edified, you were comforted with the word that was given. While he was sharing that word, <clears throat> I was hearing in my spirit the word change change and the thing is you can't change without a different thought because as a man thinketh in his heart so is he or as a person thinks so are they so if your thinking remains the same you're always going to have what you always had so to get a different paradigm you have to get a, a different thought and that's one of the reasons why we come together, such as today, is to let the Word of God teach us and give us a different thought, a different paradigm for a different and higher way of living as a Christian, or as just a person walking in the earth. And um, one of the things that uh, I was speaking with Pastor yesterday, and we were just talking about various things, and he had asked me to speak on a subject that I found uh, challenging perhaps, because it's like looking at a picture and trying to get everybody to agree how it looks sometimes. That's a little difficult. So today I want to talk with you about biblical church government. Now, you'd say, you know, how is this relevant to where I'm at? 
Well, if you have a proper foundation in your life for anything, you can build on it. But if your foundation's not correct, then you're going to have problems as you begin to build later on. So it's important to have a good foundation. Now, right away, people begin to think, well, there's there problems in the church that we're speaking about this. No, I've always tried to devil-proof any church I've ever uh, pastored by teaching on things that there was no problem there so we could avoid the problem. And one of the things I think that the Spirit of the Lord would have me to speak on this and why the pastor asked me to address this is because there is a change coming for this ministry and a new season of growth and the Lord wants to ensure we have an understanding of a proper foundation so as we begin to grow we can grow solid and well and have a structure that will uh, stand the storms that would come against it because if you're ever doing anything for God that counts for anything it's going to get attacked you know he's just the devil is not just going to let it go unnoticed so the thing is is I would find a church if I was looking for a home church I would find a church that's got a lot of rumors about it, you know, that uh, uh, people have uh, either laughed or uh, that th I heard that there were some problems because that usually tells, and I'm not, every church has that history over time, but the devil will not bother anything that's not bothering him. You know, so let's just think about that. The other thing, uh, let's see, where are we going with that, Lord? Well, we'll just get on with that. So anyways, let's, let's look at, and, and I apologize, Jeremy, I didn't do, I usually do a nice slide presentation for you and everything. I didn't have time for that. In fact, I was looking over some of these notes and I thought, my goodness, the last time I taught something like this on this subject was 2017. Well, the word is still the word. It's still truth. The, the Bible that you read that dates back several thousands of years, so it's okay, you know, you're rereading something. But you know what I found is my, my revelation on this subject has changed. My thoughts along this subject has changed to some degree, and it's evolved because we go from glory to glory, and we should be growing in our revelation of certain things. So it's sort of interesting because I get to a certain point in my notes where it basically says, no more notes, <laughs> you know, so then I'll be speaking to you out of my spirit a little bit more, which I'm praying I will now too, but, you know, uh, let's just get on to this. Bible mentions several churches. I'll give you several scriptures. You can try to write them down, but what I would do is, if I was you, I would listen, then I would go back onto our website, and I would listen to it again, then I'd share it with somebody and invite them to church. There you go. And then I would probably take some notes at that time if you wish to. And just realize originality is your ability to conceal your source. So take this and go teach it and put your name on it. Okay? So there you go. And they'll say, wow, you sure studied hard. You go, yeah, yeah. Okay. Acts 11.22 speaks about the church in Jerusalem. 1 Thessalonians 1.1 1, 1 speaks of the church in Thessalonica. 1 Peter 5.13 mentions the church in Babylon. And we have Acts 11.26 mentions the church in Antioch. 1 Corinthians 16.19, the church in Asia Minor. Romans 16.1, the church in St. Korea. Galatians 1.3, the church in Galatia. That's the book of Galatians. Revelation 2.1, the church in Ephesus. That's the book of Ephesus. Revelation 2.8, 
2.8, the church in Smyrna, Revelation 2.12, the church in Pergamos, Revelation 2.18, uh, the church in Thyatira. Are you getting bored of this? But, but the thing is, it's not my list. It's, it's God, so I've just got to go through it. Okay, Revelation 3.1, the church in Sardis, not sardine, Sardis. Uh, Revelation 3.7, the church in Philadelphia. Revelation 3.14, the church in Laodicea. Then in, of course, Romans 16.15, we have the church in Rome. It says, that is in their house. Colossians 4.15 in Colossia, the church that is in their house is another mention. And then we have the church in Philemon that once again is described as being in a house. So what do we have here? We have 17 different mentions, 17 ge different geographical locations, some in a house, some not. And it's, it's not all inclusive because there were more churches that were not mentioned, such as in Galatia. So what does this convey to us? Well, if we look in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 18, here's Jesus speaking. It says this. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, saying this, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, is? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, and this is such a good question for all of us today, But who do you say that I am? It's okay that you know your mama's God, and it's okay you know your pastor's God, and it's okay you, you know Uncle Sue's or Sally Sue's or whoever, but who's God to you? That's the big question. If he's this big, then that's how big he'll be to you. If he's not a miracle-working God, you'll get no miracles. But if your God can do anything, then you, by faith you can have all things. Martin Luther, the um, founder of the Reformation, said, He who has faith has everything, and he who has no faith has nothing. It's very important. God moves by faith. That's the currency of exchange with God, whereas we have a monetary exchange for goods. We exchange our faith for the hand and move of God in our life. So let's grow into great faith, and faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, so let's stay in the word. So who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answers and said, Well, you're Christ. You're Christ. You are the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Sounds like a game show winner. But my father who is in heaven, and also I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now, wait, we just found out there were 17 different mentions of churches. But he turned around and said, well, on, uh, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. So it's the first use of the word church in the New Testament. So which church was he going to build? The one in Jerusalem? Pergamos? Well, the real answer to that is all of them. This speaks of the universal church or the Christian church or the churches throughout the world. You know, a lot of people don't understand, but where we get the word Catholic, this is where it comes from. Catholic means universal. So if you're part of a local church, you're also part of many Christian churches throughout the world, or the Catholic, or the universal churches, collection of God worldwide. That's why when I speak with Catholics, and I want to share my faith with them, the first thing I do is come to a place of agreement with them and say, well, I'm Catholic too. You are. Yeah, I'm part of the universal church 
of, of God. In other words, there's Christians meeting here today, but there's Christians meeting down the street today, and there's Christians meeting, trying to meet in Canada, and then there's Christians meeting in Europe and in Africa and around the world, and we're all brothers and sisters in the Lord, and God has local churches, but he has the church universal or Catholic. So, does that mean that we should all become Catholics? No. But I want you to come to an understanding of that word to give you a tool to work with when you are speaking with Catholic people, but to also understand that you have a local church, but you're part of something much bigger than yourself. All right, so from this passage of Scripture, see, it's, it's really not about religion. It's about revelation, Jesus is Lord, and relationship, Jesus is my Lord. Okay, so from this passage of scripture, some erroneously feel that the apostle Peter was to be the cornerstone of which Christ referred to the building of his church. So this is how that's explained. Two words need to be examined. In verse 18, Peter is the Greek word petros, meaning pebble. He said, I'll build upon this rock, petra, meaning a rock, like a towering great cliff. So we have to realize where this was said. You have to understand there's a reason why you have maps uh, to help you to understand the interpretation of things in the Word of God. It was near a place of Judah called Petra, and it had great rock cliffs. So it was not that Jesus was changing Peter's name from pebble to mighty and towering rock. It was that Peter, and it was not that uh, Peter, that Jesus would build his church, his Catholic universal church upon, but this is what he was going to build on, what he said, thou art the Christ. He was going to build on the revelation that he is and was and is the Christ, the anointed one of God, came as the lamb to save the world of their sins. That was the revelation that God said he was going to build upon, not the man, but the revelation. And we build upon revelation. That's how our life changes. You're a counselor. You know when people get a different revelation, they can have a new life. So that's what he was referring to. And the beautiful thing is this, this truth that Jesus is our rock, it's a unifying belief. It transcends geographical locations. I remember going to Africa, and I'd have one of the gentlemen over there, my brother, come here. Well, I was his brother because we shared the same father. So we have family throughout the earth, transcends geographical locations, transcends time zones. When Danny said uh, 5.30, that's because he was thinking Eastern time zone, you know, so it's okay, we'll give him some. It transcends time zones, you know. Transcends economics. You can have Mr. Suit beside Mr. Shorts, Mr. Sandals beside Mr. Gucci shoes. It's all good, you know. You can have motorcycles outside of your church parked beside the Mercedes. It transcends economics. It's a beautiful thing. You know, people talk about having a multiracial church. A multi-economic church is a pretty exciting place sometimes, too. Yes. I remember when I was pastoring a church, we were doing a biker outreach in Atlanta, Georgia, and it was so funny because uh, they bikers, they have certain things they like, but they'd like to be prayed over at the beginning of every riding season, so we're going to kick off something, and one of the guys that was helping us with it, he wanted to uh, do a poker run to help raise money for, for, for most bikers are really have hearts for children, you know, and they wanted to raise money, and the, the board was poo-pooing it, well, we, we can't do a poker run, that's gambling, and I said, well, okay, tell you what, 
Uh, and a lot of them were, you know, they were businessmen and things like this. And I said, well, tell you what, we won't do a poker run if you guys can honestly tell me you've never bought a lottery ticket. We'll do the poker run. So, you know, it's, it's beautiful, different, different economics, beautiful things, you know. And then it transcends denominations, you know. Uh, I mean, just because, you know, one might say Alliance and one might say Mennonite and one might say Baptist, they have a commonality of faith in Jesus Christ, all right? You know, there's different... <laughs> I can't say... Well, it is a good example. Okay, there, you know... Chewing tobaccos, chewing tobacco, there's just different flavors, that's all. You know, but it's all chewing tobacco, okay? So it's all Christianity with its own distinct flavors. That was a weird one, but we'll go with that. Okay, transcends race, transcends time. So the beautiful thing is we're part of all of that. So the local church, let's talk about that. We've talked about the universal, the church of God all around the world and, and throughout time and but a local church is confined to a local geographical area. That's why many of you today are not attending church in New York City. You don't live there. And they probably wouldn't allow a service anyways. So the church in Jerusalem, the church in Pergamos, this city, but its outreaches of that local church can exceed its local sphere of influence to assist in the construction of the church universal or worldwide, which is why there's wells in Africa because of this couple and their partnership from people here in the church and why mission trips and different things take place. So this church has a local sphere of influence, but it also has assignments with spheres of influence to help build the church universal around the world. So the word church comes from the Greek word. My wife loves this word. What's the word? Shout it out. Ecclesia. All right. Sounds like a party name. Ecclesia. Woo! You know? Sounds like I should put on my hat. It, it means an assembly formed by a group of people, that'd be us, called out from the world and its ways and its values by its relationship to Jesus Christ and his teachings. The word church has true universal, but it also has local meaning, and it is also described as the called out ones. You know, it's so funny how everybody wants to be normal, but nobody wants to be average. You know, the only way you're not going to be average is to stop being normal. You are called out distinct and different from the rest of the world, so they're not going to understand you because light and darkness, they don't go together. And so we see here that we're the called out ones. We're the assembly. We're assembling today. You know what? We're in the church building. The old timers used to call it the church house. But if this burnt to the ground and we were still standing outside today together, we'd be the assembly. We'd be the church. All right? So thank God for what we have over our head, especially at 40 below. Amen? It's the community of believers on earth. I like this. And in heaven. But not beneath the earth. <laughs> but can, so we're, you know, my, you know, here's the thing. When I pastored, I would really like to be with people near the end of their time. Particularly, I remember my grandmother and my father and others. And uh, I knew that they were going to be seeing Jesus fairly shortly. You know, they had a faith in God. 
So I was smart enough to say this. Hey, Dad, when uh, you see Jesus, would you put in a good word for me? <laughs> would you tell him I'm doing my best down here? But I could really use some help. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, just passing that on, you know, so you can use that too. I thought that was wisdom. So the word church has both a local and a worldwide meaning. Second Peter 1.1 calls it, them which have obtained like precious faith. That's why you choose to be in one place of worship with a group of people, perhaps over others, though they all might have a, a faith in Christ, because it's the expression of that like precious faith that you click with, that you associate with, where you feel that, uh, you know, that glove fits, all right? And so we see uh, Ephesians 3, 15 calls it a family in heaven and earth. The primary purpose of the local church, what is the purpose of the local church? What are we supposed to be doing? Well, our assembly, or the coming together with those of like precious faith is this. Acts 8, 26 to 27, and Acts 12, 11. Worship, worship, worship. And you know, here's the thing. We, we shouldn't just practice when we get here on Sunday. But if on Monday, we start the day, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. Tuesday, bless your holy name. Wednesday, through. by the time we get here on Sunday, it won't be hard to get people into praise and worship because they'll already be flowing with praise and worship. So, you know, acknowledge God throughout the beginning of your day. He'll acknowledge you for the rest of the day. The next is fellowship, Acts 2 and 42. Fellowship, very important. Acts 2, 42, instruction. So we come together to worship God for fellowship, for instruction, and for prayer. Acts 2 and 42, where we can pray for others and be prayed for. You know, most of the time, you know, the Bible says whatever a man sows, he'll reap. If you come to church just to get something, it's good. You should come believing, believing that God's going to touch you and you'll hear a word. It's great. But you've created a vacuum that really can't be filled. You've come to receive, and you can receive. But as a man sows, so how shall he reap? But if you're just sowing a vacuum, you're probably not going to get a whole lot. But if you come and say, I'm coming to give, I'm going to give my worship, and I'm going to give my tithe, and I'm going to give my prayers, and I'm going to exhort people, and I'm going to give my love, You've, you're coming with a bunch of bag of seeds. You're going to reap by the time you leave. You're going to feel full because the Bible says, he who waters shall be watered also himself. You know what a good marriage consists of? Two people that want to give more than they get. Love. And so we come here to love one another. Wouldn't that be great in the church if everybody tried to love one another? <laughs> wow. And then we come together for sacraments, the Lord's Supper. Some call it the Eucharist or communion, Acts chapter 2, 42, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty, 20, Acts 20 and verse 7. And the baptisms, plural, not just water baptism, baptisms, also the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We, that's a whole new teaching. We could go into that, but not today. Everybody says amen. And the ordinance of the church. Matthew 3, 1 to 5, most people think the ordinances of the church are just communion and water baptism. 
well, then what do we do with Christian burials and what do we do with baby dedications and weddings and all these sort of things? These are also Christian activities that should perhaps be considered ordinances or the rights of Christians. So just some thoughts. Then we come for edification. If you're feeling bummed out, the worst place you can stay is at home. I'm too depressed to come to church. Get that sorry flesh in the car and get it here. You need some edification. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. Comfort. You come here for comfort. Now, comfort doesn't always mean everybody's going to agree with you. <laughs> they shall know the truth, and the truth will set them free. But how come we never told them to make most people miserable first? Well, they don't want to hear that part. You know, but it's true. For comfort. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. Um, well, I can't do anything with my spouse. Yeah, that's because they're married to you. Change. All right. Correction. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Correction, 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. You know, I, I, I like to be corrected lovingly. Nobody likes to be corrected unlovingly. But, I, you know, hammers in the head hurt. But, you know... I, I like I like correction. I like to because it means if you're one that's teachable, you can grow. You're growing yeah. if you'll receive instruction. But it takes a degree of humility to receive correction too. And you know what? It also takes a degree of trust in the one cor correcting you as well. And therefore, it goes back to fellowship and relationship. Also, evangelism in their local sphere of influence. Um, we can each contribute towards our local evangelism, reaching out, sharing our faith, but also in world evangelism as well. So the local church that Jesus is building has similarities to the construction we know of a physical building. It has a cornerstone, which is, you know, I'm not a great constructionist or anything like this, but I do know that the cornerstone uh, is a place where you want to start off. You want to make sure that's right. It's pointed in the right direction. It's the right elevation. It, it, it's a place at the corner of a wall to bind the two walls together that are good and the rest of the foundation. See, cornerstone, foundation, walls, and it, it ensures the proper alignment of all other stones of that construction. So this wall which was being laid has an inside and an outside. There's an inside and an outside to a wall. And that outside wall is symbolic of the word, the inside symbolic of the spirit. And that conveys a balance in building where we have a transformation on the inside that affects us also in our outward actions and conducts as well. We're growth inside and outside. So Ephesians 2.20, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. I was thinking the old yawner joke. A lot of people didn't know Jesus was Native American. What? Yeah, Jesus is Native American. He's called Cheap Cornerstone. <laughs> you know, so anyway. <laughs> I know. You can use that. Just don't tell them where it came from. So. <laughs> I know. More sleep. That'll work. But in the church, our walls of stability and protection have been constructed in our doctrine or our foundational teachings, which have been that of the apostles and prophets. Acts 2.42 mentions the apostles' doctrine. Ephesians 2.20 uh, says that we are Christ's church, are built upon the apostles and the prophets. 
So our practice in faith and doctrine is to be established upon the foundation of the original teachings of the apostles and prophets as conveyed in Scripture. This means we're to be subject to the writings of the men of the first century being the Word of God and upon which it's built to a biblical revelation that we possess in our tenets of faith today. Now, that leads us to the next big sort of, to me, it's a funny question. You know, well, does that mean King James only? Yeah, Jesus used the King James. No, really? You know, I mean, when you think about it, some people are like, well, King James only. Well, before that was the Latin Vulgate. So why don't we all just use the Latin Vulgate? Well, because only a few of us still speak Latin, like none. And then uh, before that, there were other writings. And if you look, the reason why, I love doing this teaching on this one, about the different constellations in the stars. One of the reasons why God chose uh, Abram, it says, because he knew he would teach his children, and he was an observer of the stars. Well, what did the stars have to do with it? The Greeks took the constellations and changed their names, but God wrote his plan of salvation in the stars with the constellations, and on there you can see the foot uh, crushing the head of the serpent. There's a constellation like that, and there's Virgo, and there's other things like this. Well, they call Virgo now. So God originally wrote his plan in the stars. Man was able to translate it. So, I mean, you know... I will tell you, does anybody want to know what the best Bible version to read is? Anybody want to know? Just a few of us. Well, we'll save that for next week then, I guess. No, I'll tell you what the best Bible version is. And for you watching from home, this is free. If it's a blessing to you, you can send in your large donation of gratitude. Now, um, this is the best Bible version to read. The one you got and the one you're willing to practice. There you go. Thank you. Oh, that was deep. Yeah, I studied many years for that doctorate on that one. (laughs) So we have the cornerstone, the person of Jesus and the foundations from the word of God as given by the apostles and prophets. And uh, we as members of a local church placed and equipped as the brick, mortar, wood, glass of the building of God's house. You're a part of the building of God's house. Now, I don't know... You know, I, I wouldn't admit to being a brick because then I might get accused of being a brickhead. But, you know, it might be a piece of glass. You know, you might be a piece of wood. You might be a piece of wiring. I don't know. But the point is, is God is building his house and you're part of that building material. So how would you like it if you came to church next Sunday and all the doors were gone? That wouldn't be good. It would affect things. Or maybe the chairs are gone. What? Well, yeah. well they decided not to come. Or, and then, you know... All the sound equipment's gone. We could still do it, but it wouldn't be quite the same. You know what I'm saying is that every part is important at all the time. So let's try to get here and the doors are open because you play a part. Well, I don't I just sort of show up. Well, you know what? I don't see my heart, but I know it's there. I'm sure glad it's there. And sometimes you might be one of those parts that is not outwardly observed all the time, but you're just as important as all the parts that can be seen. Why don't you turn to someone this morning and say, you are needed here. You are important. Amen. 
Now, Ephesians 4, 11 to 12, it says the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers in verse 12 are there for the edifying of the body of Christ. What does that word edifying mean? It means not just to make you feel good, but it means to build you up, to strengthen you, to put you into a place in the body. It's just like a man hanging windows. He's edifying that house. He's building up that house. All right, so we're helping you to find your place. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. The originals, apostles and prophets, the teachings, the word of God as the foundations laid beside and off of that cornerstone. And then the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, ministry gifts are there to edify and build up and mature the saints. And you say, well, I'm not one of those what you call fivefold, which you would never find in the word of God. There's fivefold is never mentioned in the word of God. It's a term we gave to help us to comprehend. Ascension gifts are there so you could call them uh, ascension gifts when God is uh, when Jesus ascended on high he gave gifts unto man so you could call them biblically but you know that's really splitting hairs and I don't do that very much so um, let's go on and look at this though that there's also in the body of Christ governments or administrative gifts and helps what is helps anything that helps <laughs> Anything that helps. You know, I used to stand at the door and take the coats of people that came in and then hang them up. I was in the ministry. I knew I was called in the ministry, but I didn't know where to start, so I just started helping. I was in the ministry of helps. And then, I'm not saying you need to do this because he doesn't have a big lawn, but I used to go over and cut the pastor's lawn and babysit his kids and drive them out to meetings or whatever because I felt called to the ministry. But how do you go into the ministry? I don't know. There's no book on it. So I just figured serve those that are doing it. If you're, if you're hanging around a fire long enough, you're going to smell like we're the, the smoke, you know. So if you feel called to do something, you don't know how to do it, go find out who's doing it and hang out with them. There's a good place to start. And most people would pay for that, but that's free. Okay, amplified version of Ephesians chapter 4. And his gifts were varied. He himself appointed and gave men. Now, most that's where we're going to stop right there real quick because a lot of churches would stop and say, well, see, right there, only men in ministry. Well, I hate to tell you men, but that's a neutered noun. <laughs> it means neither male nor female. It means really any person. If any person, and he, he, he himself appointed people to us, some apostles could be male or female. Some prophets could be male or female. Some evangelists could be male or female. Some pastors could be male or female. And teachers could be male or female. Well, I don't believe in that. Well, your unbiblical beliefs don't change the truths of God's word, so... You know, we're even. Okay, verse 12. His intention was, well, that wasn't very loving. Well, I don't have time for that. You, you know, here's the thing. I want to give you truth that will help you to grow. And how you feel about it is between you and God. Really, I can't get involved with how you might feel about it. I hope it blesses you. I hope it encourages you. But some people, they, they get right there, they get offended, and that's all they can hear for the rest of the, I don't believe in that. They don't hear anything else that they could believe, and they've stopped in their service and in their growth right there. So if you're watching it today, you don't believe on that, that's okay. Just seek further revelation. Okay, that's all. All right. His intention was, and what is our intention when we come together? Like this. Perfecting making fully ready the saints, fully equipping the saints, that they can do what? The work of the ministry. Yeah. So um, it's not up to the pastor to do the work of the ministry. It's up to him to equip us so that we can do the work of the ministry. 
All right, and Jerusalem Bible uh, says this, and some, his gift was that they should be apostles to some prophets, to some evangelists, see to some, not all. Uh, God's got something for you, but he does have something for you. But I want his gift. Well, you may not have the gracing for his gift or her gift, but God gave you a gracing for your gift, and we need your gift. All right. So that he can make us all unity in the work of service, building up the body of Christ together. So most local uh, churches, attendees, members, are to be educated, directed, and coordinated in their ministry efforts by the influence of their ministry gifts. That is the present apostolic giftings, prophetic giftings, pastoral teaching, evangelistic, that God has either placed within the local church as a local team, or who have been placed together into a relationship of influence within or towards that local church. These individuals, such as the local church pastor, uh, the word of God clearly states, have been placed within the local church by Christ in order to lead, train, equip, and oversee the local church members who are themselves to be involved in doing the work of the ministry while under their leadership, oversight, and the authority of these ministry gifts. You know how you can discover one of your, your, your gifts? This is how God will start you off. You'll be walking through the church. You'll see a crumpled piece of paper on the floor, and your first thought will be, somebody ought to pick that up. Well, a bunch of somebody's walked by, but nobody else noticed it but you. Why do you think you noticed it? Well, you see, here's the thing. We were all nobodies before Jesus. But he died to make us who are nobodies into somebodies, the sons and daughters of the living God. So when you look at that and say, somebody ought to pick that up, just remember you're a somebody and that must be your piece of paper. So you pick it up and you've answered your call. And God says, ah, he noticed that piece of paper. Now I can send him over to that person over here. Faithful and little, faithful and much. You say, well, I don't really believe that. Well, just keep passing those pieces of paper. You'll be passing them for years until you stop, pick that first one up, and then you move on to your next assignment. The Amplified Bible says, He, Jesus himself, appointed these ministry gifts, one of which is the local church pastor. And he, Jesus himself, placed them, including the local church pastor, within the local church. So this is, I've, I've, I've accepted pastorates to churches, and one of the first things I do is I stand and I remind the congregation how I got there. And it always goes over really big. <laughs> you know, but my responsibility is proclaim truth. I really wish I was a, more of a political uh, pastor, uh, but I couldn't live with myself. I have to be proclaimer of the truths of God's word, sort of like John the Baptist was real, real popular, you know. But anyways, but you say it lovingly. So where does the congregational vote of the local church members come into play? Biblically, seeing a pastor has been set in place within their midst by God. So I'll tell you how that works. When a congregation votes on a new pastor, and listen, you don't have to write me. You can write the pastor. No, listen. <laughs> Pleasure. He'll send them on to me. When a congregation votes on a new pastor, think about this. According to scripture, they must maintain the knowledge and the attitude that they're not hiring an employee. Who wants a hireling as a pastor? 
Nobody. They're not hiring an employee to do their bidding, nor are they obtaining a hireling who will manage and maintain their status quo comfort zones. When a congregation vote is taken, when the members of that local church are endeavoring to, what they're endeavoring to do is to collectively attest to and recognize God's choice for them. Who is God sending here? Who is God sending to lead us here? Who is God raising up in our midst? God's choosing for them and their assignment as pastor, shepherd, and leader. They are not choosing a pastor or making God's choice, but rather they are affirming God's choice. That's the truth of the matter. So you'll be hard-pressed to see any congregational votes within New Testament churches uh, in the scripture. These ministry gifts outside of the one time in Acts where they chose somebody to re replace Judas, and then this Barnabas guy, you never hear him again. So that was a hit. So 1 Corinthians 12, 18, God set every member in the church as it pleased him. To be really honest with you today, it's not an accident that any of you are here. When I saw you here today, I was thinking, it's not an accident. Some of you hadn't been here for a while. We hadn't been here for a while because we've been out doing some other things. But we were here at this time, this day, for a reason. There was something needed to be said and something needed to be heard. And that's why God brought us here. How many of you believe the Bible to be true? Okay, so we all do. Does not the Bible say the steps of a good person, man or woman, are ordered of the Lord? If that be true, it is not a coincidence you are here today. The other thing is we had prayer yesterday. Some of us gray hairs got together. We just looked at all the men in the room and we said, well, we're all grandfathers, you know. Thank God for that, you know. But we got together and we prayed and we said, Lord, if you can bring people from all over the world and return them to Jerusalem. If there's people that are supposed to be here today, you know how to draw them by your spirit and get them here when we're all together. So that's why I believe in answered prayer. I believe that's one of the reasons you're here today because you were prayed to be here and God said he would direct your steps. So realize that God has something he wants you to hear, something that will change your paradigm, change your thought, change your life. That's why you're here. So Jesus sets these ministry gifts into the church. Now, very quickly, I have to do this because I know there's a lot going on. I'll just touch base on them. Four main types of church government. Well, actually, five. I've grown. Episcopalian. It's common to Catholic, Anglican, Lutherans, Methodists, Church of God, Episcopalians. It's a ladder of hierarchy falling from one head man flowing down. For example, the Pope, and it goes on down to the local uh, parish. Presbyterian. Common to Presbyterians, Pentecostals at times, holiness, many non-denominational churches where elders are chosen by the people to govern or watch over the pastor. I was getting a kick out of that. You know, I remember I was at a church and I asked the, el uh, uh, the elders on the board there, I says, what's, what's your job here? They said, well, watch, watch over you. Well, what do you mean? Well, I'm supposed to watch over you to make sure you, you, you do it right. I says, oh, how many churches you pastor? Well, none. I says, well, what type of business you got? Well, I'm a beekeeper. Well, can I go to your bee business, sort of point out how you ought to do it? No way. Ta-da. <laughs> I get what they're saying. There's a point for them. But their main, main job is not to make sure I do my job that they don't understand. 
Their job is to help me to be successful in what God's asked me and us together to accomplish. Big difference. How would you like to go to work and just have people stand over to make sure you do it right, but they've never done it before? Hey, hey I don't think, hey, well, you know, it'd be like you wives having your husbands come into the kitchen and make a cake. God forbid. Okay. <laughs> Elders are chosen by the people and then watch over the pastor. They possess an understanding and a disposition which is an error. As the Bible clearly states, they are to work in conjunction and assist the pastor with the care of the flock in reaching organizational church and ministry objectives. Never in the book of Acts do non-ministry gifts ever govern the fivefold or ministry gifts Jesus has placed within the church? We see many instances of individuals assisting ministry gifts. See them. Uh, but here's one thing you have to understand. God has assigned ministry gifts not... Uh, okay, thank you. All elders are overseers, okay? They oversee an, an area. So the Lord might, uh, or local church pastor might say, okay, I need you to oversee the finances. He's an overseer of that particular area. It's part of the bigger package. I need you to oversee the church, the grounds. I had an elder and phenomenal man in Ohio. He'd be going around cleaning the church. Most people come there just for prayer because they knew he was there to, you know, cleaning and doing things and cutting the lawn and uh, to me, that was all good elder, good work, you know, it was just praise God. So he had that area, and maybe it might be home groups, or it might be this or that area, helping to oversee, because one person is not omnipotent. They can't are omnipresent either, can't be all-knowing, all-seeing, and then come together, and you might have people over five different uh, uh, cell groups and they contact people when they're not at church but instead of trying to contact 25 groups you contact five individuals and they're overseeing and and, and that's how you, you get some things done but here's the thing all elders are overseers but not all um, are, and qualified to be ministry gifts okay so how does that go again all pastors are overseers but not all overseers are pastors okay so, okay, congregationally, common to Baptist, Assembly of God, Church of Christ, congregationalists. Uh, this was founded, this church government, about 200 years ago, about the same time America started. So you can't really say it traces back to the greatest biblical form of church government roots, okay? And then, um, so it's, a, it's where basically... Might makes right, mob rule, you know, whoever gets the most votes, that's the way we go. It sort of diminishes having somebody called by God there to lead. Um, pastoral authority. Now, pastoral authority is largely in many non-denominational, word of faith, independent, interdenominational churches. This says that the pastor of that local church is called and placed of God within the local church, and although he is the final authority, he is not the only authority. A check and balances are put into place with respect to financial accountability, guidance, implementing of strategies and plans, but all in a way so as to both empower and protect God's set man for that local church and the church body members themselves. Where no other ministry gifts are present within the local church, such as other apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, the pastor may appoint elders or overseers to assist him in oversight and care of the local church flock and to provide him with good and godly counsel. 
also in such cases outside or at large ministry gifts in relationship with that local church, such as Brother David Wagner with this church, who has a voice into the heart of the pastor and the leadership because of that relationship. He's an outside at large ministry gift, but he's got a better insight of what's going on because he travels around and sees at large what's going on. So he helps the local, the local focus as well. So that's something that that happens and uh, they can be incorporated as well. But one thing we have to remember is this, no matter what you're doing in church or in life, you're only in authority if you're under authority. I have a young supervisor, he's younger than my son, over at uh, where I'm working right now. And uh, man, I, I love that guy and I respect him and I encourage him, and I would say, have you considered this, or you considered that? And then I gave him a good idea. He says to me, um, well, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let him know where the idea came from. And I said, no, nah, you know, there's a saying that says, it's amazing what could be accomplished amongst a group of people if no one really cared who got the credit. So I said to him, if they like the idea, tell them it's yours. If they don't like the idea, tell them it's sunny down in packaging. <laughs> he laughed about that one. He's like, okay, we'll do. <laughs> so anyway, um, where other ministry gifts are present with a local church, though, they can come together and formulate what you would call an apostolic form of church government. And... That's where it gets really interesting sometimes. And, you know, I used to, oh, there's not enough time to talk about lawlessness in amongst leadership, but that's for another time. Wow. Okay. Uh, so what we're really looking for is a divine order. And uh, last is apostolic team. And this says, expound, no notes as yet. Yay. You know. <laughs> so... Here's basically what it boils down to. No matter what form of church government you want to adopt, none of them, none of them will work without relationship. There has to be relationship. And where each member in that leadership team is preferring one another higher than themselves in love. For example, uh, pastor, he could... He's, he's both the office of pastor and apostle. See, not all pastors are apostles, but all, pass, all apostles can also pastor. I'll say that again. Not all pastors are apostles, but all apostles can also pastor. Put it like this. Um, we'll say that in a Swiss army knife, the pastor is the spoon. So, if you're a spoon, you can be a local church pastor. But if you're only a spoon, you can't be an apostle. But if you're a spoon attached to all these other things that can fold out, you could be an apostle too. And because he has a spoon or an anointing to pastor, the apostle can also pastor. See, but that spoon, unless it's a Swiss army knife, unless it's also an apostolic gifting, it can't fall into that category. And that's where it's really frustrating because most people are looking at pastors a certain way, and most pastors are good at managing, but they're not good at building. 
whereas apostolic gifts are good at building. And most pastors, if you're hurting, they're going to run and they're going to want to hug you and be there and sit there with you and everything like this, which is great. Most apostolic giftings will say, somebody ought to go over there and they'll send someone and they'll keep building. And they'll say, well, doesn't he care? Yes, he does care because he realizes you're important and that's why he sent someone, but he also loves everybody else and he loves what the plans and purposes of God are and the big picture and he has to be about that as well. That's why Jesus had ministry teams he sent out because he couldn't be everywhere at once because he said, I have to be about my father's business and he could, when he was in the earth, he could only do that one place at a time. So he had other people involved in ministering. And then when the crunch time really comes, he shows up and raises up Lazarus. So when the crunch time comes, you'll see your man of God. I remember, and I'll just close with this story, I was pastoring in Minot, North Dakota. We got a phone call that uh, one of our men in our church had run into a snowplow and was um, in the hospital several miles away, quite a long ways actually. And uh, his wife wanted to get there and there's a bad snowstorm going on. So I said, well, I'll pick you up and we'll head over to the hospital. And uh, we headed over there and we got through. And on the way there, I was listening. It's very important. We always want to talk to the Lord. Sometimes we just need to listen for him. And so I was spending my time listening. She was talking sometimes, but I wasn't hearing her too much. It was sort of like the Charlie Brown teacher, wah, 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 you know, and I was listening. And uh, I felt the Lord say, not a bone in his body will be broken. Okay, all right, all right. So we walk in there, how's he doing? Oh, he's got a broken leg. I said, no, he doesn't, because that's not what I heard. I said, no, he doesn't. I said, you need to take another x-ray. No, no. So they went in, and he said, take another x-ray. Well, it wasn't broken. It was fractured. I said, no, that's not what I heard. He didn't say fractured. He said, not a broken bone. So I said, we need another x-ray. Well, by this time, they're a little bit more cooperative because they've seen a change. And they went in there, and the doctor comes out and says, well, it may not be broken, and it may not be fractured, but it's a heck of a sprain. (laughs) And uh, I liked what... When he, he, he stood and shared the congregation later, he said this. We go hunting together. We do things. He said, listen, I didn't need my friend to come through that door. I needed a man of God to come through that door. And let me tell you something. You may be mama. You may be daddy. But you're also the high priest of your home. My son, there was something up with his son. And he said, well, I don't know why he's acting like this. I said, you need to pray. You need to pray and ask God. God knows what's going on with that boy. And I thought, well, if he ain't going to do it, I'm going to do it. Come back. I said, this is what the problem is. So then I went back and I spent some time. That's all he needed was just a little bit of time. And, and, and God will show you things about your children. God will show you things about that. And so relationships are important, preferring one another, higher than ourselves in love. And, and so the old church that I grew up with, and I have to repent, I repented before God on this because I grew up where there was pastoral authority. But you know, there's a real problem with that that I found. One, you, you can become an island unto yourself. You know, you're the anointed one, so it's anybody else going to tell you, right? There's ego, there's pride. And when that gets in, it's dangerous for a local church. You say, well, you you didn't let that happen. Listen, I'm flesh and blood. The worst thing that can happen to most ministries and ministers is success. I'll tell you why. You don't pray desperate prayers anymore. 
you don't look to God and say, if you don't show up, we're all done, because everything's going good, right? And you had something to do with it, right? You say, well, yeah, I did that. And for those of you that I pastored, please forgive me. I've grown, I've repented, I've changed my thinking since then. Is that a real enough moment? We're all working through this. So if I can screw up, you can screw up. So let's try to stick as close to the word of God as possible. And with our form of church government, God is building here. And I believe he's building an apostolic form of church government with the different ministry gifts working together, preferring one another higher than themselves in love, which is why I appreciate the humility of yourself, Pastor, because you gave me this opportunity today. Really appreciate it. Because you could have easily done this, but you deferred and preferred. And I appreciate your humility. And I'm going to ask you to continue to pray. Don't overlook praying for this man and for his family. Would you please? Because if you strike the shepherd, the sheep scatter. And he probably would never just say, pray for me. So I'm going to ask you to pray for him. And let's stand and pray for him right now. Let's have the leadership come on up to the front of the church. And I want you to gather around and lay hands. I wasn't planning on doing this, but obviously the Holy Ghost is leading this way. And we're going to do that. Then we're going to be dismissed. I want to apologize if we went a little bit over. We had a lot going on today, but y'all got your money's worth. <laughs> and then some. Let's extend our hand. Do you know as you pray and ask the Lord to touch and bless him, you're sowing back into your own household because what comes upon him will come through him to you. And as God touches him and touches his household and touches his ministry, it's going to touch you in your household and in your ministry to your family and your loved ones. Lord, I pray for a greater anointing. I pray for anointings that are in this earth that have not been claimed to come to this man. For people that have passed away, you don't take things out of the earth. The gift and callings of God are without repentance. I pray that that mantle would rest upon this man. I pray you would clothe him with the counsel, uh, spirit of counsel and wisdom and might. That the gift of faith would be upon him where he said, nothing's too hard for God, nor for us, for God is with us. We pray for peace in his mind. We pray for peace in his heart. We pray for peace in every relationship. We pray for his family. And we pray that a hedge of protection would be around him and their whole family. And the enemy would not be able to touch them. We pray that warring angels would come down from heaven and gird them about. They'd escort out every adversary. I thank you that he has the mind of Christ. He knows the will of the Father. I thank you, Lord God, that you bring people into his life that will encourage and bless him. Bless him, bless him! And Lord, we're going to be recipients of all of that because we've sowed it out in our prayers. We've sowed it out in our love. We've sowed it out in our asking. I fully expect these prayers to be answered. We'll not settle for anything less. We'll not look for anything less. I'm excited about when we gather next week to see what you've done all week in answer to these prayers, not just in the life of this man of God and his family, 
but in the lives of all that have sown towards that blessing. For as a man sows, shall they reap. Be prepared to reap, people of God. Be prepared to reap the goodness of your prayers this day. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. And God's people said, Amen. Here you go, man of God. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you so very much for that prayer. And, um, you know, the uh, call to teacher, and we, we know that that call is on David and Diane. Um, so, and that's so fantastic. And when you need a teacher, God's going to send a teacher. But it takes time to teach. If you go to any type of college, whether it be a Christian college or something, there's a lot of time. And to put all of that, what we heard today, should have been about a 10, 10 uh, week course or something. And that's and we have actually went on those areas for about 10 weeks. So um, bless you today. The governments of God are for us, and that's why he's put it into the government of the kingdom of God. And we have all these governments, they need kingdom prayer. Definitely, uh, United States of America and uh, throughout the earth, they need kingdom prayer by kingdom people with kingdom government. Amen. God bless you. May you go with the power and peace. May you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Isn't a beautiful day? Yeah, get the farmers, get all them farmers all, uh, get the crops in and, uh, and whatever they need to do. God bless you. Make sure you say hi to someone that you didn't say hi to when you came in and God bless you. Amen. You're dismissed.